Hello and welcome to Lessons Learned with me, Laura Winter. In this podcast, I'm going to speak to star sports men and women about the moments, choices, or indeed in hindsight, the mistakes that have formed the backdrop to their greatest victories and their biggest defeats. Because more often than not, a lesson learned the hard way is a lesson learned for a lifetime. So welcome back to Lessons Learned. I am Laura Winter, sports broadcaster, podcaster, obviously, host and journalist, and I am so excited to be bringing you another season of my podcast. We are about to delve into the minds of brilliant sports people once again to discover the pinnacle moments that have shaped their professional and personal lives and the lessons they have learned along the way. Perhaps lessons we could all take some comfort and inspiration from too. As ever, this season in each episode, I also want you to be involved as well. So keep your eyes peeled on social media at Lessons Learned Pod and at Laura C. Winter and get your questions in. The best will be asked on the podcast. Lessons Learned is now out weekly, dropping every Monday. So make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. So for this episode, I am about to speak to three-time Olympic bronze medalist, Kelly Southerton. I am really looking forward to hearing how the heptathlete turned coach, pundit and media personality reflects on her life as she gears up to a huge opportunity in 2022. We are recording at the start of 2021, so unfortunately, like last year, due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, Kelly and I spoke virtually, but we've smoothed the audio out as much as possible for you. Enjoy. I am very excited to welcome three times Olympic bronze medalist and Commonwealth champion Kelly Southerton to the podcast. Kelly is a former heptathlete and 400 meter relay runner who made her British team debut in 2002 and went on to win bronze medals in 2004 and 2008 before retiring in 2012. Since hanging up her spikes, she has turned her hand to coaching as well as punditry and commentary and will be leading the athletics team at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games in her home city. Kelly, very warm welcome. How are you? I'm good, Laura. I'm really well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. We were just reminiscing before we started recording that the last time we saw each other, we were sleepwalking into this coronavirus pandemic. We were at Gloucester for a question of sports special. Um, I think Jill Douglas was there. Um, AP McCoy was there. There were some superstars there, a room full of people. We were all having a drink, having a laugh, and then boom, three weeks later or so, it was all over. <laughs> we were confined yeah, to our homes. I, it, yeah, we were. I think, oh, it won't, be, it won't be that bad, will it? It won't come to us. It'll just be like the flu. Wow. <laughs> if only How we, wrong we were. Know. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. How have you found the last year? And, and where are you now? You're, you're in Birmingham now, aren't you? Yeah, I live in Birmingham at home. Um, it, you know, it's been really tough. Um, it's the, I think the, all the different lockdowns have been different. Like the first one was a bit more exciting because it's like, yes, it's happening at home. It was beautiful weather. You could go out in the garden. And then it got a little bit hard towards the end. But because it was the summer, it was a little bit more cheery. Uh, the second one in November was a little bit more difficult. Uh, it was over my birthday, so I couldn't see my friends. And then the third one is, I think, has been dire. And I think, and I live alone, and my friends and family live so far away, so I can't see them. So basically, apart from the odd person, I've basically been alone for a long time. Oh, <laughs> so I feel like Tom Hanks on Castaway. And I tend to talk, well, I talk to the cats anyway, but like 
anything that looks like a face in my house I have a conversation with I am going crazy but oh, <laughs> bless you well, I'm glad we've got you on the podcast at least we can have a little chat <laughs> even if it's virtual yeah yeah no. I've been lucky I've been doing lots of virtual stuff and and that's great but it's not the same as obviously face to face and I've been fortunate enough recently to have gone to an athletics meeting last week where I've got to see a lot of people and it's so different just to have a conversation face to face um it, you just real, realise how powerful those, those are. And I think now it'd be crazy to take those moments for granted again. So I'll never take them for granted. I'll always, I look like I'll cherish actually spending time with people. And you'd probably be different, um, I think. I think life will be different for some people because they'll realise what they didn't have and cherish what they have. So, yeah. It is what it is and it's the same for everyone and everyone's got their same problems and challenges and some people would have relished a time in, in this space and I think just one thing to add like I, I, I'm an only child and um, I choose to live by myself and that's good because I have a choice but when it's not your choice like this it makes you not want to do this so uh, if in a year's time I'm living in a commune with 15,000 people because <laughs> I want to know why <laughs> oh brilliant I know I know exactly what you mean it has been I live on my own as well and it has been really tough I'm lucky that I've got friends and family very close by and I can go out on sort of fast-paced walks with them for our daily exercise and all that stuff yeah. but it is it is tough and it has been so difficult but there is light at the end of the tunnel now um, at least I'm really excited to talk through your five life lessons. Um, you've done what Matthew Pinson and Chris Hoy did, which was instead of looking at kind of your career and thinking, here are five career moments, you've reflected more holistically at all of it and looked at five life lessons you can take from it, which I love. And I love the way that people come on and take it in two different ways. So your first one is make mistakes, which is great. Yeah, I think we're, we're too precious now to think that we can do everything first time. Um, and sometimes you can, you can do something without making a mistake. But I think it you learn so much from the errors that you make. And I think I do live by, as long as you don't make those mistakes continuously and you, you, you'll always make new mistakes, but you learn from that. What did you learn? What can you take? Um, I always think it's important to mourn a mistake sometimes when, when it's needed. Um, because I think with we get too hit up and being 10 out of 10 and perfect because of the life that's portrayed on social media and, and the media. However, you know, if, if everything was perfect, actually you wouldn't cherish the good times. So I think you have to have the, the down times with the good times, the mistakes with the non with the successes. And success feels always tastes so much better when it's come from somewhere harder. Um, and I just think it means more. Uh, I think you become more humble. And uh, and, it, and when it's a little bit hard to get that success, whatever the success looks like for that person, I feel that it just means more. And I think it sticks with you a little bit more. Absolutely right. And I mean, the sort of tagline for the podcast is a lesson learned the hard way is a lesson learned for a lifetime. And it's so true that we get so much more out of failures and mistakes and regrets than we do out of the sort of smooth sailing that we can we can have in life. Looking back then on your career, can you pinpoint big mistakes you made, mistakes that still stay with you now or kind of keep you up at night every now and then? And you think, I'm glad I made that mistake, but it was a big one. Yeah, so yeah, I was 27 when I went professional in 2004, at the end of 03, in of 04. And, um, and I always ask the question, why didn't I become a professional um, earlier? 
and it, I weren't ready. Um, and at the time, obviously, I thought I was, but every year leading into becoming a professional, I wasn't wasn't in the right place. I wasn't in the right mind space. I wasn't doing all the right things. And and when an opportunity came along, I was actually very good at taking it. I knew what I wanted, so I was quite ambitious. So when I had the first um, opportunity to make that step up, um, it was with the Olympic champions coach. So it was Charles Van Comney who who had coached Denise Lewis. So I was like, well, I'm not going to take not going to not say no to that and I was just fortunate I was in the right place at the right time and I thought what could go wrong you know more things could go right so I went you have to be a risk taker so I just took the risk and then quit my job because he told me to lost weight because he told me to did his training because he told me to and you know lo and behold 10 months later I won an Olympic medal and I just think god if only he'd come around six years before (laughs) But however, that might not, that wasn't my time. And I truly believe in fate. I'm quite, I'm quite one of them. I, I truly believe your time will come when it comes. Uh, not when you want it, when it, when it should be there. So uh, it was just a perfect opportunity. Um, and I just, I think I did, well, I think I know I just ran with it. The only, the only thing I would like to have done or I would have chosen differently is this, after the Olympics in 2004, he, Charles, went back to Holland to be their chef de mission for the 2008 Olympics. So he left me high and dry. Um, and so I had to find another coach and it, he, I didn't really have that help. I didn't really know what I was doing. So then I had to pick a coach who didn't know really what they were doing. Great world-class coach, a triple jump, a long jump, but not heptathlon. So I had to learn and teach him really quickly. And it really did take a couple of years before we got that right balance. Um, and then we only had really two years together after that because then I got injured. So, um, yeah, there were some errors in there that I wish I, you know, didn't happen, but some of them were out of my control, unfortunately. So, um, and I couldn't really do anything about them, but I feel still I was responsible. And I suppose learning from the mistakes. So viewing them sort of singularly and saying, right, I've made a mistake there. I can sit there and mourn it, the, the word you used before, can sit there and wallow in it and think, yeah, I've made a mistake there, I failed, that hurts. But it's making the mistake twice, isn't it, will demonstrate that you haven't learned from it. And it's about learning from those mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, especially when you're in sport, if you, and I I don't think it's very common at all. I think it's really rare. And that's that's the difference between people who are successful and people who are not. People who are successful will make mistakes they won't make the same one twice people who want to be successful will continue doing the same stuff all the time generally they won't learn and I've been a coach and I've I've seen that through athletes they will make the same mistakes and they don't know why and it doesn't matter how how much you tell them or suggest or lead them they just don't change their behavior and it takes I do think it does take special people to to turn something inside them for them to be successful um you never hear a successful people a person a sports person or anybody moan in the media about anything um about training but you do hear people who may not have reached the heights of success you hear them more so it's i find that a really interesting balance and and as an athlete as an athlete and a coach you know i've heard it and i just think you just it's the mentality and the mindset and the focus i just think that is just a level above everybody else and i just think that's rare and you'll find that in any sector whether it's business or or 
or in um, creative industries, the, the best or the most successful are the ones that just got something slightly different. And, and I think for, for sport, it's about learning from what you've done and not repeating what those, those, those failures. I mean, you won three Olympic bronze medals. Do you think, or can you pinpoint within yourself something, something different, that extra little spark? Well, for me, I think I failed in, in, two, in one of them. So I think I should have won gold and I didn't, but that's another story. So, um, <laughs> but winning three. Um, I, I just think I always, I knew what I wanted to do and achieve. And I knew if I needed to do something, I had to change something about myself, whether that was work harder, change coach, change the system I was doing, change a program, change a, uh, change a lifestyle habit. Um, you know, there's always things that you could have always done better. And I'm pretty sure if you go to Chris Hoy, who won all those goals or Matt Pinson, there'd be still things in their career that they wish they'd done better. However, they still won all those gold medals, <laughs> but they still wish they would have done something better. Like, and so that's the art of perfection. And you don't really ever achieve it, even if you win a gold. There's no perfection there. Um, you'll still be looking for it because I just don't think it's ever it's ever possible to hit a perfect a, a perfection in anything. I, I really don't. Um, but you always strive for it. So, um, you know, I just wish I had more time, which means I wish I was successful earlier, then I probably would have had five or six more years to learn my art um, and give it more, which I couldn't. So that's, that's kind of a, not that it's a regret, it's just I wish I had more time. Let's get into this, though. You've just mentioned there one of those medals should have been gold. Just talk yeah. us through that. Well, in, in 2008, there was no Karina Kluft, who uh, was the Swedish sensation, who'd won everything from two th- for the f- previous five years. Um, an amazing person, amazing athlete. But she wasn't doing the Olympics that year for whatever reason. She was going to go and focus on long jump. So the door was open and I was always number two or three. So it was like, well, Kelly's going to sl- um, slide into that gold medal um, position. You know, 2008 for me was literally the worst year in injuries. I was injured for 17 weeks. I had I was in hospital in Italy for three months out. I couldn't do my first heptathlon to prepare. and got zits. So I tore my my pectineus, which is a hip flexor, at the end of in the middle of May, which is not ideal. Mid, hardly any competition. Missed loads of technical uh, stuff toe injury literally if everything was against me it was against me but one thing I did was I kept fit I had a really good physiologist Steve Ingham so I kept fit which got me to the Olympics which got me on the start line um I think if I would have been no I think I know if I would have had a, a good run in from 2007 I had a great two fat end of 06 into 07 into 08 I'd done really well I was get, gaining shape confidence I would have I would have won that Olympic gold I know I would have because no one beat me no one had ever beaten me before in that competition, um, apart from one drug cheat. So it would have been, uh, I should have won. So that's the one thing that I think I'll always, I have to learn to live with, nothing I could do now. Um, but at the end of the day, a, a three quarter fit Kelly won two more bronzes, one of them in the hep. So, you know, no one can complain. I mean, if you ask, if you said to an athlete at the age of 20, go to two Olympics, go into three events and win three bronzes, would you take it? Yeah, of course you would in any sport. Um, and then people ask me, would you swap all of them for one gold? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's, that's what you strive to be. If it's one time, go to one Olympics and be Olympic champion once. Thank you very much. You're that for life. Um, no one can take that away from you. But, you know, I still have a really good record. I'm still one of the most successful athletes ever in our country and in my event well, in the world as well to win those medals. 
Um, I kept maintained a legacy from Olympic champion to Olympic champion from Denise to Jess. Um, so um, kept the flag flying. So, you know, it is what it is. And I made the best of a situation for an athlete who was older than the average. So I did, I, I think I did okay. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's kind of exactly the things that, uh, you know, an Olympic athlete would say is that I did all right winning bronze. The immortals are like, oh my God, that's like the 1% of the population. But I get it. I get that athlete mentality. I understand what it is to do sport and want to do, I want to be perfect. And I think a lot of people listening will be able to resonate with that constant striving for perfection as well. Your second lesson is laughing in the face of adversity. And it sounds very much like you had your fair share of that in your career. And indeed, over the last year or so, we've also all suffered a lot, a lot of adversity as well. Yeah. Uh, when I started training full time with Charles and Comedy, my, my training partner was Denise Lewis, who came back in to be coached by Charles after not being coached by him for a year or so. And she moved back to Birmingham. And the session, she'll tell you this, the sessions were ridiculous, they were hard. But it wasn't the sessions that were hard, but he was a hard man. So if you didn't cut it in a session, you'd know about it. And for others looking in, they'd think that that was really, that's not that's not justifiable. You can't say that, Charles. But like, the, the, and so I did cry a lot, not at the fact, just because it's so hard. And so Denise knew that. And she just said to me one day, Kelly, just laugh in the face of adversity. It's all you can do. This is what it takes to be the best. You'll get this and you'll understand what I mean, you know, when it when you when you get some success. And so in Charles's office, he had a big whiteboard, and the first thing she wrote on there was, I think it might have been probably November or December of, of the winter of 2003, and she put laughing in the face of adversity. And obviously Charles laughed at her putting that up, but so every time we've gone into training with walk past his office, you could see that sign because it was glass. So you just remember laugh in the face of adversity, just laugh all the time. So I use that all the time. It's a bit of a mantra. And when tough's a time, regardless of it in sport or not, you have to laugh. And I think a lot of people think I'm insensitive because <laughs> I laugh. If I'm hurting, I laugh. I, I don't like to argue or, or anything. And I'll start joking or laughing or finding the funny side because I think that creates just a different sense of, you, you know, like a, kind of a more relaxation that come on it's life we're healthy let's just laugh about something so I I don't like to be angry or upset so I try to laugh to make maybe the other person or people feel at ease and myself at ease and then deal with the problem in a different way and in a non-aggressive way if I can say that so yeah there were training sessions in that time that were deadly hard um but it also probably made me actually a made my exterior tougher um, and a lot of people said I'm quite tough as a I was um, as a coach. Um, so because I coached the way I was coached in some respects. Um, so yeah, that. So every time I feel tough times are there, like, I do laugh, and I still and I still remember the moment Denise wrote that on the on the board. So I love that. That's yeah, that's I mean, great. Champion. she had it she she didn't have it easy immensely talented lady who had to work really hard and she had had some tough tough times especially after she won the olympics so you know she knew what that really truly meant so it wasn't just the saying it, it came from deep within her and then she just shared it with me so i share that and pass it on to whoever needs to hear it well there is the saying isn't there if you don't laugh you'll cry 
And there's a certain sort of dark humour, quite a British humour, I think, in just laughing at our misfortunes or at things that go wrong or adversity because, well, otherwise, you'll, you know, you'll sit there and wallow. So let's have a laugh about it. It's not that I don't cry. I think that's important. So when tough times, I do allow myself to get upset. And I've said this already in this interview, mourn. So if something's happened and you need to get over it, it's important that you do. Um, but it doesn't stop you from humour. So I think I have got quite a dark sense of humour in some respects, a little bit sick in terms because I laugh at most things inappropriate. But that's only because that makes me feel calm. Uh, so, uh, and I think if you don't know me, I'm insensitive. <laughs> my, fr- my friends know different. So, um, yeah, I laugh at the most inappropriate and insensitive things, but that's maybe because I feel awkward or I feel that laughter will make everyone feel a little bit less, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's a, a good noise to sum up the last year yeah. or so, isn't it? What yeah. would you say is the greatest adversity that you overcame in your career or you laughed in the face of? Um... Gosh, that's a, I've never been asked that question. Well, that's oh, always Laura, a... what a question on a yeah. Friday afternoon. I know. <laughs> the chip shot shot, that's part. Um, <laughs> uh, probably, do you know what, it was before I was successful. So in 2000, and after the Commonwealth Games in 2002, which I went to, I came seven. And Charles Van Comney had just come in to that year into a role where he was technical lead for jumping events and combined events at British Athletics. And he said I wasn't good enough. And I'd just been injured and I'd asked him for some support to help me in my injury and he wouldn't help me. Um, he did help me a little bit, but not in the way I wanted. And I felt that was a kick in the face and he thought I wasn't good enough, even though he, I think he knew I was, but I think he was always testing me. So I felt that was a massive kick in the face, like I wasn't good enough. And actually it was just a a lesson that he was trying to teach me that you are, just go and do what you do, you'll find a way. It's a big lesson, isn't it, for for a young athlete? And and goes back to what I'm saying, the better people will, I'm not saying I'm the best, because I'm not Olympic champion, but the better people will find a way. And they say cream does float to the top, it does. Sometimes it's easier for others. However, you, it will find a way. It will always find a way. It might take. It took a bit longer for me, but I got there. So I was at that real mouldy bit of cream. <laughs> <laughs> took a while to get to the top. <laughs> mouldy cream. Oh I my goodness. Time, but it's like I was just a late developer. But actually, strangely enough, even at school, I am. Um, I had the ability, but I was never in the top set. I wasn't very good at exams. I was better at course work, so I took longer. So, you know, it was only probably natural for me to take a little bit longer in physically in, in sport. Not that I wasn't a very good learner. I learned well. It's just uh, when you're in the right environment with the right tools, with the right teachers, you know, anything can happen. So, And you've mentioned Charles quite a lot, and he, obviously he was um, a really a real pinnacle figure within your life and um, somebody who shaped who you are today and, and helped you get to where you were at the top of the sport. What's your relationship like with him now? Because it sounds like almost a love-hate relationship between oh, the I both of you. Uh, Denise used to call him the volcano because he was just erupt and he had his curly hair and he so we just really took the, the piss really out of him. We, haven't, we actually gave him a haircut once, um, what Denise did. And, you know, we had some very good times and 
because he was very passionate, he would he would wear his heart on his sleeve. So if he was angry, you felt it. If he was joyful, you'd feel it. If he was happy, you'd you know he was emotional, and it, 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 that's where he was. And uh, yeah, so he unlocked um, a selfishness in me. Unlocked it. So taught me how to be selfish. And you have to be selfish in, in, in many respects to be successful. So he unlocked that in me. I knew how to be selfish. I'm an only child, so but it, he know he knew how I had to be like this all the time, very narrow focused. Um, which there is some obviously cons to that because you can be declared rude and deverish and um, pedantic. Um, but that's in the pursuit of being the best. Sometimes you can't be nice at all times. And so I probably had a reputation right at the beginning of my professional career of being a bit of an arsehole um, and telling people what I want. And never being, I wasn't afraid to say what I felt was wrong. Probably didn't say what was right enough, which is, you know, everyone never, nobody ever says what's, no one ever goes, oh, that's really good, thanks. But they go, that's really rubbish. You know, we all shout out about what's wrong, but never what's right. So I wish I'd done that more. But yeah, he unlocked the Dutch in me, I say. So um, <laughs> get it out, say it, and then it's done. And then you move on. So my relationship with now is that we have, you know, I still occasionally speak to him. Um, and when I see him, we just laugh. Um, I'm pretty sure we still have the other argument. But me and Denise still talk, and when we do talk, we, we mention him. We know that he would be very proud of us too right now, especially where we are, especially myself, coaching. He can't believe I, I can coach. So <laughs> Why is that? Coach the javelin, because he just says, how can you, didn't, you could never throw the javelin, and you can coach it. I went, yes, you never did heptathlon, but you could coach it. And he was going, well, good point. So, uh, <laughs> and he was a rubbish triple jumper, tore his hamstring. So he was a rubbish athlete, but he was a very good coach. And so uh, he'd probably kill me for saying that. But I still, you know, he he was a big part of my life. And he's in the, not, it's not now, but he's still part of it. I still have a good relationship with him um, because he was the one who set it up for me. Yeah, for sure. I love that. You do remember those people, don't you? That sort yeah. of, People who, yeah, lay the path for you and, and have become a huge part of your life. We'll move on to your third lesson, which is a good one. And it's one that even now I don't think I, I do all the time. And I often look back and think, oh, I wish I had done this. And it's trusting your gut. Yeah. Rarely wrong. Yeah, um, you are rarely wrong. Sometimes you do get it wrong and that's fine. Um, they're, your, they're your mistakes. Um, but even at, I've made some even personal choices outside of sport. My gut is very good and um, I've not ever been proved wrong yet. Um, you know, on a personal nature, we're, you know, very much so I've always been right. Um, I think that's his instinct in reading people, knowing, watching people's behaviour, which I think comes from sport, um, body language. You, I think you're a little bit more... When you're in sport, you have a little bit more intuition because you're with a lot of people. You know, you get to know people and you see their body language, you understand. And because, you, you know, I did a lot of sports psychology, you get to learn all the tricks and the trades of what's negative and what's positive. Um, you know, you learn how to talk to people, what the negative language, what the positive language. You know that you shouldn't say but after you say something really good. You know, you learn all these things and you put it together and then you just think, Wow, I, I actually, you know, learn. I, I just 
yeah, I just learned a lot. And I actually forgot what you asked me. <laughs> I love where that was going. It was about your trusting your gut instinct. <laughs> I'm not an elite thinker at this point on a Friday. Sorry. I know that's all right. It, yeah, it's half four on a Friday. So it's kind of yeah. like not it's too late for coffee and too early for wine well kind of too early for wine um but it was about trusting your gut Kelly trusting your gut so yeah um I think for instance when I started my career with Charles I trusted him immediately I thought this man is going to help me I can't see him not I can't see him failing me so that was like and my uh, my mum always talks about fate like you know it's meant to be if it's not and all that stuff like your mum says and actually she's right and even in a person, you know, like personally, yeah, I mean, I had a relationship breakup a couple of years ago and the year, the 18 months leading into that, I knew it was wrong. Uh, I wanted to end it, but I, I didn't. But so the other person ended it. But I knew it was right hard, but it was right. But I, there was something in there that was happening and I knew and I'm proved right. So, you know, when I, and I think a woman's intuition is probably a little bit better than the men's plans. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that I think the gut, I think we ignore it too much as like pie in the sky because it's more heart. But actually when you learn to connect your head and your heart and you learn, you know yourself um, and you understand people. You, and uh, I think, yeah, you, you should just trust it and it will come wrong. Like, I wish my gut was right about my lottery numbers, but that, that's the only thing I'm getting wrong. <laughs> my gut says these six numbers, but they haven't come up yet. And tonight's 180 million, so I'm hoping they're right. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a tuition that a lot of people just think is, as I said, pie in the sky, and they just don't truly believe in it. But there's a reason you have that feeling, um, and I think you should listen to it. It might take you somewhere else, not the initial gut feeling, but it'll make you think differently. Um, so, yeah, i just always go with it. And it's interesting that actually you feel that gut instinct more in your personal life and with your personal relationships than necessarily you do kind of in sport knowing that, I mean, I guess you knew, you know, oh, heptathlon's for me and Charles is my coach and that's that. But then personally in your personal relationships, your gut plays a bigger part. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think in sport there's more element of luck than there is fate, uh, but you obviously make your own luck and you, but then you have to make the right decisions critical key times I think personal life there is luck there but also there's a lot of fate and instinctiveness and intuition and you know all those kinds of things and that's with whether it's love or friends or work and stuff like that or judging people's mood sensitivities um I mean I still get that wrong a lot because I laugh <laughs> when I'm a little awkward um which gets me into a lot of trouble but yeah um I gen- genuinely I'm not wrong yet on that so but yeah I think they're hand in hand I think it depends what kind of person you are so uh, and I I I keep I'm an only child I think I only have myself to play with sometimes so I think (laughs) I understand myself a lot more than probably some people do that was my next point actually was that in listening to you speak you sound remarkably self-aware that comes from being an athlete and having to know why you feel certain ways on certain days with training and competing but I think it also comes probably from coaching Uh, it comes from let's face it as we get older we become more self-aware or we can choose to become more self-aware anyway that leads us on to your fourth lesson which is be who you truly are at all times and it sounds like you very much know exactly who you are and you do just that yeah it was really interesting so when I got the team leader job for the Commonwealth Games, um, 
I hadn't done a job interview for like, see, I've, I've started to do a lot of job interviews lead after last year. And um, there was a couple of jobs I wanted to be involved with. And I'd been in an interview for a job at Welsh Athletics, actually. And I didn't get it. I knew I interviewed okay. I, well, I think I did well. Um, I was told I did well, but then there was somebody else who got the job and they were brilliant. So I was a bit upset, but the job I really wanted was the team leader job for the England Athletics, for the Com Games, because I live in the home city, why would I not? And I knew that I wouldn't be, there'd be a lot of people going for this. And I got an interview, I was really happy. My first interview wasn't probably the most ideal. Um, I don't think I was my true self, I was very nervous. But I think I, ca- I came across as a, how I how I would if I was talking to these people in the street. And um, and I it went to a second interview because of the quality of people there must have been pretty exceptional so they put me through to the second round and I was I think four of us thankfully one had dropped out <laughs> they're obviously threatened by me <laughs> that's why I said I'm joking um I know who that person was and they would have been amazing but they, they didn't go forward um they didn't want to so it's just three of us and when I went into the interview um we had to do a presentation an hour before we were told what the subject was lucky I was very prepared I'd learned my lessons from the first interview and I was just myself talking to everybody and the thing is is because I had a rapport with everybody before I felt quite I don't need to be anybody else other than myself because they know me at my tough times I've gone to the Gold Coast with all these people they they know how I am so I'm just going to be myself because why would I go into this interview being something else and then do the job and be someone else, someone else. So um, I was just authentic. And actually the feedback that came from interviews that you were just Kelly. And it was just, it's nice. And when now I'm a year into this job, I am still me. I'm not changing. I, I don't like to be anything other than what I am. I mean, some people don't know me will find me a bit standoffish at first because I look like I suck lemons. And, uh, which, but I make great lemonade. That's what I say. Uh, full of puns um but yeah so I do look like that a little bit miserable I have a great resting uh, resting bitch face but actually I'm not like that at all and um I always have a good reason why I do stuff I don't I'm not vicious or vindictive um so yeah I I, I am always myself and if people don't like it they don't like it so I, I t- I'm I think I'm going to get what my, my friend said to me recently. She WhatsApped me about something and it was very funny. And I'm like, only your friends can say this to you. Um, my friend Julie was talking about how I am. And uh, um, I had to say I had to state a conflict of interest in a meeting. And she goes, yeah, but it's not in your nature to be unfair, though. I says, no, but I might be an arsehole, but I'll be fair. She goes, you are a fair arsehole, not an arsehole. You're truthful, you're honest, you're loving, you've got a big heart and you're straight to the point. That's why we all love you. Oh, and so... That's so <laughs> sweet. That's what friends are for, isn't it? That's so yeah, sweet. so like, you know, only your friends know your best. So they know that you have a fault, if you can call it a fault. However, they know the intention behind it. It doesn't come from a bad place. It's, it's, it comes from... A, comes from the heart so it's a good place because they want I want to always see people be better versions of themselves so you know when my friends say that you know and they, they can be truthful to me I, I don't mind um I'm not offended I'm not um offended in any way and I think that just sums me up I love that so much <laughs> a fair arsehole uh no I, I absolutely love that um and also so you mentioned there about being yourself and it's so true because when people ask me for advice on broadcasting 
or when I'm kind of preparing for a job. And I went into an F1 for the first time in 2019. And I remember I was writing down all these notes um, and, you know, researching the sport and the history and the form and everything. And it was pages and pages of notes. And at the end of it, I just wrote, be yourself and keep it simple. Because that's, that's all I could do. That's, the reason I was going there was because they'd seen a showreel and they liked what they saw and they were sending me in. Yeah. And that was just me being myself. Not quite Laura down the pub, you yeah. know, a, bit, a little bit more refined than that, but Laura on camera talking to you like she's down the pub. And that's actually one of the hardest things about broadcasting is being on camera and just speaking like you would to a friend. And it's the same in an interview and it's the same in when you're meeting someone new just be yourself. It's the only person you can really be and you'll get found out eventually. We yeah. all do, you know, the facade already, will fall. But that's fine because you're already in there. It's like nobody wants to meet Kelly down the pub. <laughs> I think I do actually. <laughs> I'm a mess. I don't buy my own drinks. <laughs> I think Kelly and Laura down the pub could be, could be fun. I think we should do this podcast in a year or even yeah. half a year again down the pub. Yeah, when Chatham races are back on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. No, no. If you've got a question for a drunk Kelly, ask drunk Kelly. Do not ask a sober Kelly. I don't know. I don't know that person. <laughs> I love it. That's the only time there are two Kellys, yeah. drunk and sober. Um, it, this leads on actually from what we just spoke about as well. And it's your final lesson. And it is treat others how you would like to be treated and it's something that I live by and it's another bit of advice I give out if people ask me about broadcasting is that be nice and be kind and kind of treat everyone whether they are getting you a coffee or whether they are directing you or they're your cameraman whoever they are treat them how you'd want to be treated on the job. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did something for Eurosport uh, a couple of months back and, you know, somebody was getting me water and we, luckily we had a makeup lady, thank God. And, uh, and you know, I somebody goes, like, "What? Yes, but thank you." And you go, and you, you say it in a genuine way. Um, and you hear all these horror stories about famous people. I'm not saying I'm famous, but they're 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 not nice. And there are some people are not nice. It's because they've got not they haven't got nice people around them. And I do think you are your product of your environment. So if you've got good people around you who will tell you about yourself, like I've just told you, my friends, they will always bring you down. Uh, to earth and they'll always tell you if you're gonna be if you're gonna be an arsehole to somebody make sure it's an absolutely good reason why that they've treated you back so if someone speaks to you in that way actually your first reaction is to talk back at the way that they speak to you but I think you always give somebody a second chance so I go someone's rude to me I will then be nice back if they continue to be rude to me then they'll get it twice as worse back so they get that one opportunity and the only reason I do that is because I sometimes still say, and I have to watch my communication sometimes because I can go boom, cutting without thinking, without any wrong to us, just me. And then I'll go, I'm really sorry, or oh, no, I didn't mean it like that, or this is what I meant. So it gives me an opportunity to go check myself. So I give that person an opportunity to realize they may have had a really shit day and they might just want to say, oh God, I'm sorry. And if you're nice back, most of the time that other person who might have been a bit cut into you replies in a nice way it's really rare that because they, they just realize oh god inside they go and then that they, they change because they realize actually that's not what really they meant um but i think you know you don't know who you're talking to nowadays so you really don't it's like <laughs> 
when I was an athlete, I used to go, it sounds really pretentious, but I'm not like this at all. So I used to go from the training track in Birmingham and I used to drive to Harvey Nichols in the mailbox. And I used to go, if I had an event, I'd go to personal shopping and get a dress. And I was in, and I'd look at, I don't care what I look like when I go to town. I don't wear makeup and dress up. So I'd be there in my tracksuit or my Lycras, you know, trainers. It was fashionable now, isn't it, to go out in Lycras? Oh, um, leisure wear, yeah. Yeah, leisure wear, you know. And uh, I was in fashion like 15 years ago, darling. It's like, <laughs> why are you doing this now? Um, anyway, and the security guard and a personal shopper told me to get out of the shop. And it was, uh, this is a personal shopper guy who I didn't know. But the personal shopper guy I did know saw this happening. And he just came running down like, oh, like this. And you said, what do you think you're doing to one of our most valuable customers? And this basically said, well, look at her. Well, you shouldn't judge by somebody by what they look like. You know, you really, really shouldn't because you just don't know who you're talking to. And then from that on, I just like, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, you know, just, just because you wear or look a certain way doesn't mean that you're a certain way, but also people should... I think you should always give somebody a chance if they make an error first time. And, you know, um, I had a, a situation the other day where I wasn't meant to be insensitive, but I was slightly insensitive. And then when I realised actually I was, because somebody was upset with me and they told me, then I got really upset with myself that I didn't judge the situation well. And then I will get upset and I'll, I'll, I will um, apologise profusely. Um, and I just, because I don't like to make people feel bad. Uh, I really don't. It's not my ever intention. However, there's, there's probably two people in my life that I really don't like and I really don't care. So if I really don't like you, I won't. <laughs> I really won't care. <laughs> so, I want to know who these people are now. You don't have to tell me. Well, maybe, maybe when I meet Laura down the pub, Kelly down the pub and Laura down the pub, those versions. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a story for another time. But yeah, it's... Um, Definitely be careful who you, how you speak to people. And because do you know what? Even if you were rude to somebody 10 years ago, you never know when you're going to meet these people. And, and you, you would know that. There could be a runner that you might have been rude to. Not, not saying that you were. 10 years' time, they're directing a show or they're, they're producing a programme or they're the person who's going to link you to your next big step up. And so, because that's how a lot of people start off in, in broadcasting or, or production of TV and stuff like this. That's where they start. So, like, you can't, you have to be so careful because people will always remember how nice you are to them. But they'll also remember what an arsehole you are. So there's never an in-between. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it is something that coming into broadcast, I always do. And also be nice to security as well, because... More often than not, I will forget my accreditation. I'll forget my lanyard. It'll be in my bag back at compound or whatever. I'm running around and I've got a microphone and a cameraman. I'm like, I need to get to this point now. And if you're nice, if you've been nice to them and developed a sort of relationship up to that point, they're often like, oh, it's you again. Yeah, come on through. And otherwise you're going back to the compound. You yeah. miss you, you know, it all goes wrong. So yeah, be nice to security as well. And runners, I, I adore runners. I think they're brilliant. I think they're completely, well, I think that they're, they're generally undervalued as sort of, oh, you know, the runner, but they are the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. And I mean, they get you coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, I've done question of sport quite a few times in my life. Probably I'm on my 15th or 16th time. Love it. You see, the first time I've done it, you've seen the runners there and next they're the executive producer. <laughs> or they've moved on to other shows and then if you're ever 
read a credit or something, you or you know their name, you've seen them a couple of times, you realise that that's how they've moved up. And so like, and you see that. And so, you know, you just, everyone deserves you to be, not unless they give you a really good reason not to, you should be nice to everybody. Yeah, absolutely right. Brilliant lessons. Uh, I, this, yeah, honestly, I feel like I've been coached myself oh, <laughs> by you. My invoice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Kelly, what does this year hold for you? I know next year it's all building up, of course, to 2022 and those Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, which is hugely exciting. Uh, what does this year hold, though? Well, for, for my sport, particularly all Olympic sports, is hoping the Olympics go ahead. Obviously, everyone's got their fingers crossed that this does go ahead and we hope that you know no news is good news so that goes ahead um i have to ensure that especially right now we have we give like athletes in track and field the opportunity to compete and train so um and obviously there's a lot of athletes who can't train in a vicinity uh, because of lockdown situations and there's really actually not a lot we can do because of the government um but you know I just want a really good magical summer of sport. I've, I miss it so much. It's been nearly a year since a live event. My last rugby match was a year. My last, you know, the, I was one of them. Went to Cheltenham races. Uh, that was a year ago, and that's the last live sport. So, um, just want sport to get back to where it was and go and see it. Um, but yeah, so this year is all about. For, it's, and then personally, for me, it's about just hugging my mates, <laughs> my family. Um, and having some beers in a garden, socially distance, obviously, up until the 21st of June. Um, but um, I'm probably in Cheltenham, actually. See you there. I'll see you there. <laughs> oh, and we'll, we'll record this again. We'll go live on Instagram. Yeah, all... Exmoor from Bath Road. Yes, that's a cracking <laughs> beer garden. Beer garden. Yeah, we'll go live on Instagram and it'll be drunk Laura and drunk Kelly. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, they do really good wood-fired pizzas there outside. Yes, correct. Yeah. I actually do good. You know. Oh, um, brilliant. It's just making sure if the Olympics go ahead, it gives it a lot. We'll learn a lot from the Olympics. So when it comes to 22, you hope to think that I think we're 90% normal by 22. I do still think there'll be restrictions, but you just hope that everyone who has an opportunity has potential for me to go to the Commonwealth Games, that they get the ability to do what they need to do this year going into next year yeah absolutely kelly you've been absolutely brilliant that's all my questions um i asked the wonderful public to send in a question as well um the best one is from jamie and he asks which heptathlon discipline will see the biggest evolution in performance in the next four years because uh, uh, heptathlon events go from they, they go in um cycles uh because i think i was in the river in the 800 meter revolution i start there's a couple of us who start to run really quick um and now lots of girls run quick uh javelin has been the one in the last four years i think since 2016 lots of girls now throwing more than 50 meters which is massive i think and actually long jump's gone down a bit i think it'll probably be something like the high jump there's always an event that goes and we'll see in the next couple of weeks we have a European indoor championships when the Olympic champion's going to be there, uh, Nafi Tiam. So high jump might be one of the events, high jump and hurdles might be the two events for me that might start dictating um, great performances. So but at the last two have been 800 and javelin. So I'm going high jump and hurdles. I can't wait to see it. And you're right, I can't wait to see some live sport and to have a wonderful summer 
um, hopefully with the Olympic Games as the main focus as well. Kelly, you've been absolutely brilliant. Honestly, can't wait to see you in person and have a drink as well. Thank yes. you so much for your time today. <laughs> yeah, we'll be done. Well, when's our next one, Dan Yexmouth? We definitely, definitely, definitely have to do that. That would actually be a good shout. <laughs> yeah, deal. Let me know. Just let me know. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> Fab. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Laura. Okay, anyone else now desperate for a glass of wine and a natter in a pub garden in the sunshine? Kelly was just brilliant. So self-aware, so candid, so honest. I love that chat and I hope that all of you took a lot from it as well. That's it for today. Don't forget, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review for the podcast as well. Lessons Learned is out weekly this series, dropping every Monday. So I'll be back next time with another brilliant guest from the world of sport to reflect on the lessons that we learn in every human experience. Until then, take care and see you soon.